Hello and welcome to the Crazy Poultry Inc. Podcast. I am your host, Ian Gaio Loco, and this is the first ever foul play debate where I will be the judge and moderator. Uh, and I have three guests joining me in this to basically give us their opinions and try to win who has the best argument. And I will be joined by three people. One, the first one that I'm going to introduce is my longtime cohort on here, Mr. Nick Nickerish Chicken. Hello, Nick. Thank you for joining me. Hey, fam. <laughs> are, are you prepared and ready for this first ever debate show? Yeah, I wrote a book for this, so. <laughs> wrote a book. And up next to introduce, he's been with us before, the gobbler, <laughs> Damon Anderson. Hello, Damon. Thank you for coming back again. Uh, I'm sure that you're easily the most prepared out of all of us. Oh, definitely. I'm always... <laughs> you were not working this at all in the restaurant that we were just at. Oh, of course. Everything's last minute with me. Even in here, you Even in life. <laughs> um, and now to introduce... First time ever on this show. He's a friend of ours from our work. Please welcome Foghorn Leghorn, Kevin. (laughs) 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 Gotta love them food fighters. How we doing, folks? Pretty good. We're feeling a little bit buzzed now after the restaurant, too. I smell beer. (laughs) Hey, margaritas and beer is the best way to loosen up the lips, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I hope I'm not out of bar when that happens. (laughs) So... What are you talking about? You want someone's lips, I'm pretty sure. I don't want my lips to be loose. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Okay, guys. Let's bring it down a notch. (laughs) So... Basically, how this came to be is I sent out six questions. One, I have not revealed. Uh, You guys took it upon yourselves to pick your own that you believe is the best answer, and you will argue it. Uh, But before that, we rolled dice to see who got to go first and last on each question, and I did not reveal which one. And Kevin, you did absolutely kill it. (laughs) Um, So basically... uh, I will just say the question, you will give me your answers, and we'll start with your introduction on why you think it is, and then afterwards, I'll re- let you guys go at it, and basically, whoever can appeal to me, in the closing argument especially, can make me believe that that is the best answer, I will give them that point. Are you guys prepared and ready? I think so. I think as ready as we're going to be. Uh, well... Then let's get the first ever foul play out of the way.
Thank you, Daniel Craig. <laughs> so, question one, and Kevin, you get to start this off like many of these ones you do. And this question is, what film that came out the year you were born is the best? And then why will it be better than the others? Well, my birth year was 1980. Mm -hmm. So I had quite a few choices to come up with. Uh, some of the ones that I'm not going to argue for, for Airplane, were Empire Strikes Back. Oh, shit. Yeah, I knew that one was going to hurt you guys. What? We're Raging Bull. Oh, wow. Blues Brothers. Oh, oh my God. You killed me. Wow. Why, why? I don't know why you skipped on this. And the movie that I am arguing to be the best is The Shining. Oh, okay, The well. Shining. Man, well. The Jack Nicholson classic. One that I recently this year got to see in the theater. Oh, you did see a re-release? Yeah. And then Doctor Sleep sequel, which is pretty good. Ooh. I have not. I, I have that book. I haven't read it yet, but uh -huh. I definitely want to get into it for sure. Okay, so Kevin is going with The Shining. The Shining, yes, of course. Mr. Nick Wood, since you're second, oh my God. <laughs> what is your pick for the best film the year you were born, and then why will it be better than The Shining? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, my birth year was 1987. Mm -hmm. um, I had choices from... Good Morning Vietnam, Predator, mm -hmm. The Princess Bride, Evil oh. Dead 2, Robocop, Full Metal Jacket, Raising oh, wow. Arizona, Lethal Weapon, The Lost Boys, The Running Man, The Witches of Eastwick, Hellraiser, Spaceballs, and The Monster Squad. Wow. But I went with one of my all-time favorites, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, we were just speaking of John, John Candy. Candy. <laughs> Steve Martin. Oh, it's, yeah, very funny. It's a fabulous film. Yeah. Be, be careful, guys, if you compliment too much. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to deny that the shining isn't a Well, but, but here's the thing. You have to try to poke I know, it. but, you know. That's... If you compliment it too much, it's going to come back to bite you. Okay, so Nick is going with planes, trains, and automobiles. Last up, Damon Anderson, what are you going with that came out the year well, you were born? This, the thing is, I had... It was an easier choice than I thought it was going to be because there was a lot of just comedy movies that are quite good, but, you know, they, I wouldn't necessarily put them up with greatest films of all time. But the film I chose uh, actually might hurt my cohort, Nick, over here, um, Toy Story. Oh, Toy Story, the first Pixar. Wow. What? Well, guys... <laughs> Uh, I will try to hone this in, but movie. at best possible, and <laughs> as friendly as possible, why are your movies better than the others? Well, Go. clearly, The Shining is the best of all three of those choices. It's got one hell of a director being Stanley. Cra crazed balls. You know, <laughs> that, that guy has been known for going out of the box with whatever he does, even to the point of making Stephen King a little bit iffy on his take on the book. Mm -hmm. Stanley Kubrick, of course. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, probably one of the best performances by Jack Nicholson, other than possibly One Truly Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But his crazy 
attitude and his dementedness in that movie was top notch. His ability to break from any kind of rational thinking and dive deep into the dimension that was put on him from the hotel overlook. Definitely. Anybody going to chime in here? Yeah. <laughs> powerful thing. See, the thing is, like, I, I really, you know, I, I can't say a lot because The Shining is, is a great film and it's probably my favorite director. But the issues that I would see of it coming up with being, a, you know, top of Toy Story would be the fact that Toy Story is a film that is not only beloved by children, but by just about everyone you talk to. It is... You know, one of the it's probably, if not the greatest animated film of all time. It, it really pushes the boundaries of being that. And I, I just think it would overtake The Shining just for the fact that more people care about it. It's a big, important part within, within culture that, I mean, not only the references, but the impact it's had on so many people compared to The Shining. Well... Clearly, if you're going to make a kid's movie, more people are going to see it. That's obvious. But the fact of the matter is, is the directorial uh, attributes and the performances put on by the actors and actresses in The Shining definitely go beyond that of Toy Story. Well, John, John Hughes uh, was huge in the 80s and 90s and put out a bunch of great movies. Um, but... I think the difference between Strange Automobiles has is you think it's like a comedy movie and then that twist at the end where he was like, you know... Spoiler alert! Yeah. <laughs> um, you haven't seen yeah, it. John Please. Candy's actual, wife actually died seven years prior and uh, Steve Martin, mm -hmm. a.k.a. Neil, um, decided to welcome in into his house for Thanksgiving and I thought that was a really cool turn and... Uh, both movies great, but I don't think it had that quite a, much of a turn for either of those. And just when you think, you know, the difference between them is, you know, minimal. They think they actually end up being kind of the same person at the end of the movie. So. Okay, so now what I'm going to try to do is, because obviously, the, the, these are all three really great films in all of our opinions. What I'm going to do now is, Kevin. I want you to give me specifics on why Toy Story fails up against The Shining and why it does better than Planes, Trains. Um, well, that's pretty easy. Um, you mentioned the, those three films to anybody, and you're going to get a rise from The Shining more so than the other two films. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles was a decent movie, but I don't believe that it was seen by the amount of people and revered by the amount of people that The Shining was and is. Toy Story, again, is a kid's movie with a kick towards adults, but The Shining is true and true, a thriller horror flick that definitely uh, chills the bone and absolutely makes any viewer love that movie. Okay, uh, Nick, please give me specifics on why planes, trains, and mobiles is better, and what are and why is it, and what are the problems with these other two? To be why honest, it, why it beats it? Um, I think there's just so many uh, 
so many much more laughs in this one because you know the the highway scene with <laughs> John Candy and the two semis. But like I said, then there's the tear jerking finale at the end. I just think there's so much more to the film as far as like emotions go, and uh, uh, yeah, and Kevin Bacon's in it too. Yeah, yeah. And any specifics on these other ones? Why they fail? Well, Toy Story Two is better than Toy Story. <laughs> and uh, as far as The Shining goes, uh, yeah. Um, if we're talking emotional depth, the the changes that Jack Nicholson's character goes through at that hotel is definitely something that puts it on par with the emotional tearjerker you're speaking of. See, I don't know. I, I see. I feel like he's that way through the whole movie, though. That's just my personal opinion. Okay, Damon. Now stick up for Toy Story against these other two. Okay. So, a big issue, you mentioned a lot of the laughs in uh, Plane Trains. Well, the thing is, like, Toy Story, I feel like, if we're looking at a comedy aspect, it definitely, I feel like, would overtake it. Maybe not by much, but I feel like there's a lot enough of it that people can... So the thing is, The Shining goes, we're looking more of a focus towards acting and why, you know, seeing the subtle changes throughout the movie... And I feel like there is a lot of changes, but, you know, the whole look into, like, the step into madness, it's a great story and a great aspect for a story, but I always feel like having more of the emotional touch and watching someone grow as a human being, whether it be toy or not, it's, it's still, you know, an emotional grow within the film and shows a lot that, you know, it can really inspire people more, whereas The Shining... It's very good in what it does, but if we're looking at it more of an impact of what the film does within that self, I feel like Toy Story would overtake The Shining at that point. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yes, this is a very interesting one for me to try to now call. Uh, so, just another brief as possible. I'm just going to go around the table one more time. Tell me why yours is better, and point out the flaws and why that one's not good, that one's not as good, and then close. Kevin? Well, you guys keep talking about, you know, laughs, and we're not talking about one genre of movie. We're talking about all genres of movies. And my movie doesn't have a lot of laughs, though it does have some, especially with the, the butler bartender and... <laughs> some of the antics that he goes through uh, but just the depravity that is shown and reached with his character and then also the unique bond between the boy and the former housekeeper um, is really cool aspect also they they have the the shinnin uh, being able to basically speak with each other, like that's a totally another avenue that I kind of wish they had explored a little bit farther, but was definitely uh, an attribute to the movie that really helped propel the story. Damon, uh, I will say, as you know, kind of the final closer, um, you know, Toy Story. The thing is, I. I Again, it's it's a very emotional thing, whereas, you know, The Shining does have a lot of emotion within it because there, there's so many changes within all of the characters. But, again, I feel like it doesn't necessarily stack up against, whereas, you know... It, again, I feel like it comes to impact within it. Like, The Shining, 
leaves you thinking in, in one way, but then Toy Story also leaves you in another way, whereas you feel more of an emotional... You almost care about those characters, and you can see that within, you know, Toy Story 4 coming out, the impact that people are, like, freaking out within. They, they want to, you know, you, you have people of all ages wanting to flock to see these movies, whereas you're going to anyways because of, you know, it, it is a kid's movie. But there is an emotional connection that people actually, you know, will leave you in tears mm -hmm. coming from these films. Okay, Nick? Um, like I said... It's got drama, action, comedy, literally everything you're looking for. But I think the thing for me is the building relationship between John Candy and Steve Martin throughout the film. You know, at the beginning, they're polar opposites. And all the crap that they have to go through during the movie and the twists and turns. And they end up making it home. And I just think that's one of the coolest stories ever in movie history. And it actually is talked about, I think, more than those two movies, in my opinion. Oh. Okay. Uh, if that made it any easier. Well, well but... No, but here's the thing, though. Um, the, the toughest part, clearly, is trying to basically nick on each other. Like, why is yours not as good? And here's the thing, though. Two of these, I didn't really hear much at all given about why they're at all bad or worse than the other. And that's The Shining and Planes Trains. Damon, you talked about Shining, but you never talked about why Planes Trains was bad. So that really hurts you, in my opinion. Um, there, there was a little bit of nicks on Toy Story, too, about why it's a bit more of a family-friendly, but you stuck up for that really well, because that's how it basically translates. Uh, surprisingly to me, and I just don't know if none of you thought of this, to Nick on Shining is, yeah, it's great, but it can be a little long, can f and you can feel that length, yeah. and it was up for Razzies. Now, being that it doesn't deserve the Razzies, that's something that you could have used against it. Oh, jeez. So, I'm sorry, but Damon, you're not getting the point. Because yeah. you didn't make too many notches at this one. Uh... I I feel like Shining got a bit more thrown its way than Planes, Trains did. <coughs> so I'm going to give Nick the point. Of course they had to throw more more shade at the best film. <laughs> He's not wrong, you know. <laughs> uh, again, this comes down to you're saying yours is better, but then you got to point out why the others are not, and I did not hear a lot why Planes, Trains was bad. So given as may... It probably would be... Hey, I didn't get shut out. It, you didn't get we shut did. out. That <laughs> will be good. So, Nick takes the first point in the lead, one to zero, zero. Now, moving on to the next question. Okay, moving on to question number two, and that is, who is the best slasher of all time? And Mr. Nick, you get to go first. Oh, that's my first? Okay. Yep. Well... I'm sure all three of you know that the easy pick for me was Jason Voorhees. Um, based on the simple fact that he's got the most successful franchise of all time, and he's got the most kills of all time. So, that's my start. 
Okay, next going, Mr. Jason Voorhees. Uh, and, and up next is Damon. I, you know, I, this one actually was a hard question for me to, you know, look into because I was, I was contemplating all the different and, you know, exactly what a slasher was in my head. Mm-hmm. And I, I came down to Freddy Krueger. Okay. Wow. I was not expecting that. I had a feeling somebody might mention him. Well, you already have Freddy versus Jason again. <laughs> will this be, will this be more successful, Mr. Kevin? Who is your best slasher of all time? Uh, those two options that they mentioned were uh, pushed aside in my mind. I had two people that I was really looking mm-hmm. into: uh, the brutal Michael Myers, mm-hmm. and then my actual choice. Is Leatherface okay? Which any, is what I thought. You were any person who can throw on a human skin face mask and run around and terrorize and kill people with a giant chainsaw is definitely the best slasher. Okay, we have Kevin with Leatherface, Damon with Freddy Krueger, and Nick with Jason. Well, guys, we put these slashers in arena. Who wins? Please tell me why yours is better and why the others are not as good. Chainsaw. I mean, come on. This guy is a dream world dude. This guy over here barely has a machete. And he's a child molester. Ooh. <laughs> See, the thing with Freddy, the reason why I put him above the two, he is the worst kind of villain. The villain that attacks you at a thing that you have to do. You have to sleep. You can't, you can't stay awake. At some form in time, you have to sleep. Leatherface can be killed. Jason can be killed at some point. He can be stopped. Whereas Freddy, they've killed him multiple times, and he just he keeps popping up. So you're telling me a guy with a machete that has a child or a child's mind doesn't make that more sick than the other two? There's no way that could top it. He's literally got the psyche of like a ten-year-old kid, and still goes out and kills people. Uh, I would being say coerced. Kind of the same thing about Leatherface. That dude has had the poorest childhood probably of all. And he grew up to wear human skin as a mask while he goes around and terrorizes people with his giant chainsaw. Shredding people. Okay, that's Jason doesn't need a mask. Have you seen his face? A couple of his times. face is worse than Leatherface's freaking skin on his face. Guaranteed. <laughs> Freddy looks like an old Hot Pocket. What are you talking about? <laughs> Promote Peroni Hot Pocket? Pr- promotion Run from Hot Chris. Pocket. The thing is, okay, th- let's look at that. Leatherface, he lives within a certain section of Texas. Out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Someone has to go out there for him to kill them. Jason, that they shut down the you know the park. Guess what? If they shut it down and no one goes there, he ain't got nobody to kill. He's not going nowhere. Whereas Freddy is in your goddamn dreams and he's shown that he's been everywhere. Alright, well, I just, I, the other, like last year I watched a uh, history of horror and they interviewed, they took interviews from years back and then years prior and years close to the, what happened and Eli Roth put it together and Stephen King Sam Raimi, Stanley Kubrick, Wes Craven, Robert England, John Carpenter, Guillermo del Toro, Jordan Peele, Ari Aster, Tim Burton, and Tom Savini all said that Jason changed the game of horror 
and slashers as we know it. I have one. My guy has one thing that neither of you guys can say, too. It was the same guy throughout all the films. Except the remake. That's wrong. I was going to say, except the remake, but... (laughs) Whereas Jason, you know, it had Ari Aster was the first one. Ari Aster? Ari Aster was the guy with the bag on his head. That wasn't Kane Hodder. Anybody want to try to fact check that? Go ahead. But keep going. Ari Aster is a director. (laughs) Ari Aster, yes. His name is Ari. Um, Ari Aster. I just said Ari Aster. It may Uh, not be Aster, but there is a uh, there is a guy that was the original Jason, and then there was the kid, the guy who played the kid Jason. I got a actually a little sound clip. Oh, okay. To a whole other level. Ari Lehman, sorry. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah, it was Ari Lehman who was the original Jason. That sounds better than Ari Aster. <laughs> yeah. I would... Halloween has had just as many movies. It's not my fault that they've had shitty directors. <laughs> the slasher himself. You mean Texas Chainsaw? Te- sorry. Yeah, come on now, get it right now, <laughs> son. Right, it come on now. Texas Chainsaw is definitely the best slasher. Okay. Gonna hone this in a little bit more again and this is the final words why is yours better and point out why the others fail Nick I just think you add in the fact that Jason saw his mother murdered and you know his supposed drowning in Crystal Lake you know made him like a negligent child you know and I just think that's he's got more aspects to him than the other two and I just yeah, and his kill count is way far ahead of the others, so I'd, that's that's my argument. I just think he's the greatest slasher of all time. And nothing else? Oh, as far as, you know, well, uh, Jason beat Freddy, and um, like I said, Jason's more of a sick person than, you know, Leatherface will ever be. Okay. Damon, why is Freddy better and the other ones are not? Well, point out, you point out the backstory. I, I don't know, my, my guy has a pretty messed up backstory. I mean, he was a child molester that got killed by the parents and burned alive. I mean, that, that's pretty dark anyways. But, if I mean, if we're stacking him up against the two, again, he is, as far as violence goes, he's definitely top-notch on violence. I mean, it, yeah, just, in a dream world... But they die in the real world, though, and that's that's the thing. And again, I can bring up you know the fact that they you know it was the same. Robert England was throughout the whole films, everything. I mean, and you hey, my fault. Like, and you compare it to Leatherface. Leatherface is you know as people have probably heard, he's one of my favorites. But if you know, I'm just if you just throw him in some water and take away his chainsaw, he's dead. He's gonna drown. Like oh. I mean. And Jason has a clear sense on who is uh, worthy of death. And and Jason technically who isn't, didn't beat Freddy because at the end of Freddy vs. Jason... But whose head was he carrying? Freddy Winks. But whose that head was he carrying? He, he, he okay. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm just telling you. Kevin, your last word? Um, 
I, I don't have a whole lot more. <laughs> other than the fact that you did admit to me that horror is not your strong point. Yeah. Horror is definitely not my strong point. So, um, are you throwing in the towel? Uh, yeah. He's throwing in the towel. That's tough. Okay, so basically, and d- just to throw this out there, it was down to them too. Uh, not not. Leatherface is a cool character, but I don't think he's stood the test of much of these two. Okay. Uh, I And you know what? I am leaning a certain way. However, here, here's one little caveat I want to throw out there. And that's to you, Mr. Nick. Since you're Mr. Friday the 13th over here for Jason, here's a trivia question. How many Fridays were released on the 13th? And and I'll give you a multi, and I'll give you multiple choice. Wow! Well, great. Three, four, or five, and this is all the Fridays. Four. It was five. However, here's another thing. Again, it, it probably is not in your mind, Damon, because you're not thinking of this, and I know your memory sometimes. But one knock you could have done on him for the Fridays is technically Jason is not the killer in all of them. His mother is the killer in the first one and it was a fake Jason in the new yes. beginning. It was not the real one. But you didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's, that's fair. So, and an argument is, has been put out there that his mom was the killer in the best one. So by that de facto I have to give it to Nick again. I thought I put up a pretty good argument for that one. I mean, come on. It's hard for me to argue horror. Robert England is the shit. Is yeah. and I love I mean, all I love all horror. So it was, it was painful for me to argue both of those because I like both of them. So, after second question, Nick starts a commanding lead to nothing. I hope you guys are prepared to continue. I just thought I was going to get shut out. <laughs> so I'm happy with two. Well, I think I made the point at this point. Now, now moving on. Okay, question three now. In honor of Disney Plus launching and Mandalorian, seeming to do pretty well. I have not watched the second episode. Did you just say semen? <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, in honor of Star Wars, what is the worst Star Wars film? And Kevin, you get to go first on this. Well, I mean, there's, there's two choices, really. And they're very widely known. Uh, I'm just going to have to go <coughs> with the Phantom Menace. Um, basically, the only scene worthy in that movie is the Darth Maul fight. Is that it? Okay. For now. Nick, you're second. Uh, good choice. Was it, though? Um... I didn't mind Jana Menace. Just, just, just give me the answer. The answer is episode two, Attack of the Clones. Um, I think it's still widely accepted at this point as being the worst Star Wars movie of all time. Okay, Damon? I'd have to say, um, you know, those are two pretty good, I mean, pretty good for the worst, but just, I'd have to just, say, just say what The Last Jedi. Last Jedi? Ooh, shots fired. Okay, and before we continue, I just have one quick question for you guys. 
What was that thing that Shyamalan's really known for? The twist. The twist, because there is one! <laughs> it's not worst Star Wars film, now you're agreeing. It's why it's the best Star Wars film. Oh, you have to completely no. change your game now. I'm going to put you on the spot now and make you work for I wish I would have chosen one of Other. Damon, you're going to have to argue why Blast oh. Jedi is the best Star Wars <laughs> film. Day you're going to have to argue why Phantom Menace is the best Star Wars film. And Nick, you're going to have to argue why Attack of the Clones is the best Star Wars film. And Kevin, go. So my first argument will be, did you see that Darth Maul fight? I did. That was pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention... The accents, the Asian accents on the aliens were, I think, top notch. I, don't, I don't, really don't think they could have gotten anything better than that. Um, I don't know what everybody's problem with Jar Jar Binks is, because I really like Jar Jar Binks. I think he could have been a key character throughout the entire series, and I really believe that they killed him off way too early. Uh, not to mention, and here's the kicker, here's the kicker. The child acting in that movie was above top, for sure. Those kids were excellent. Okay, Nick. Oh, why is, Attack, God. Why um, is Attack of the Clones the best? <laughs> you mean well, the worst? George Lucas's filmmaking certainly doesn't have limitations in this one. Um, his storytelling isn't distracted at all. Um, the dialogue... It doesn't lack required emotion, and uh, there is not an over-reliance on CGI in this movie at all. Um, hey, Ewan McGregor was pretty cool too, wasn't he? I think he, he was he, great as Obi-Wan. He is pretty I good. I think he did Obi good. And then, you know, he introduced all those, you know, conjuring creatures and animals and shit. And Jar Jar Binks, my god. He is a handsome fellow. Uh... And that big fat guy, too. <laughs> guy. I couldn't remember his name, but, uh... And wait, wait, even the best part. Hayden Christensen and Allie Portman. Oh, my God. That love story is not straight-up painful at all. They had the best chemistry out of anybody in the business. Episode 2. Damon. Yeah, there it is. Da Damon, <laughs> why is Last Jedi the best? Well, a lot of character building, and, you, you know, you bring in this new character, and she's starting to remember her, you know, starting to... Bring into her own self and trying to study, and I mean, it left off a good clip, cliffhanger from, you know, and I, I really believe that there's a lot of good reliance within the story and a lot of good storytelling just within the whole movie. Oh, okay, and okay, go. I had a badass Yoda scene, you know, with his lightsaber, and, you know, so fighting, fighting, why fighting the Windu. Worst? Why, fighting why, Mace no, Windu. No, why, are, why are why are those worse than the other? Mace Windu and Yoda. Well, obviously, Attack of the Clones was horrible. Uh, the, at, the writing and acting were like two-by-fours talking to each other. <laughs> that love story was basically the main gist of the movie, and it was boring as sin. You could not follow along because it was atrocious. Not to mention the fact that that movie could literally be removed from the entire series and nothing is lost. As far as the Jedi goes, uh, there was so much that could have been done to that movie to make it better. 
I believe that Kylo Ren's character should have and could have been far deeper and more promising, although they did not explore it as much. Not to mention the fact that we're just supposed to believe that this girl's got Jedi powers that came out of nowhere. Uh, the Force has to be learned and caressed in order for it to become Jedi-like, and there was none of that. Damon? Oh. Well. I don't even know if I can start on Attack of the Clones, because... <laughs> oh, come on! It's the greatest, man! One, Hayden Christensen. Jesus. I, I've honestly seen pieces of Tupperware with more, you know, spirit than him. Uh, the, the whole love aspect, I don't even know what they were even thinking about that. They were trying to set it up. They were like, you know, this is supposed to be like, oh, this is the romantic love. This is Luke's mom. Like, this is beautiful. When um, she's essentially almost a pedophile because he was a child. And The Phantom Menace. Fabulous movie. <laughs> Honestly, this is probably why I have problems as a, you know, as an adult now from watching that as a kid. Because your problems are deeper than that. <laughs> That's probably true also. Yeah, let, let's leave the personal out. <laughs> <laughs> if, if we if I really want to dig into that film, one, I felt like there was the the story like they're trying to, you know, this is the first Star Wars film to come out and how many years was it between? Quite a few. 83 was last Jedi. Yeah, so like this is 99. Probably 10 years 16 or so. Years. 16 years. So they were trying to come off of, you know, a pretty fantastic trilogy, and they offered that. They offered the fact that the characters were kind of stale, like, you know, they introduced new characters that were kind of boring, that just made no sense. There's just, there's a lot of things in it that were just dumb decisions. Okay. Uh, now, now, to have... Hey, it, I, I've uh, got you, my chance. You, 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 yeah? Okay, go ahead. All right, I got two things. Been a menace. This I believe, is kind of what I was going to allude to. I believe Chet, or episode two, you know, didn't have a child that was traumatized the rest of his life because Jake Lloyd stopped acting after Phantom Menace because he got shat on, and episode two totally wouldn't have done that. And then Last Jedi, the 15 minutes of fame that Rose had in that movie was the most ridiculous thing in movie history. So, okay. Damon or Kevin want to attack anything that has been attacked about your films and stick up for it? You, you say that uh, Phantom Menace was better, uh, and then you went, or, or worse, I should say. Oh, and then, yeah. And then, then, then you go ahead and talk about how awesome Jar Jar Binks was, but where did Jar Jar Binks come from? Phantom Menace. Thank you very much. But he became a star in episode two. And then ditched. Episode two or episode one didn't do that. Damon, <laughs> anything you want to stick up for for Last Jedi? Well, the fact is, I mean, the prequels one didn't have Luke, so that's I mean I feel like that's a point against both of them because I mean Luke is a very essential character within you know the Star Wars mythos. He's, he's you know he's one of the top people. When you say Star Wars, you probably say either Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker. That's the two most known names probably in Star Wars. Solo. And <laughs> so you, you go into it, and the film, like I said, the character building is a lot better than 
either one of those. <laughs> so the character building within it is a lot better. And I feel like they try to maintain the story, whereas both of them were all over the place. They, they, there were scenes, like he mentioned, about the, uh, the second one. They, there were scenes in it, you probably could have cut out the whole movie, and it just would have been like, okay. Like, because it's such a jump between The Phantom Menace and between... <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to say it. it be, between those two, that... It's like okay, he's a child now. He's an now he's an adult. That there's, there's nothing between it. It's just, it's, it doesn't seem like it's explained. It's like, I, I get there's years between it, but you know, I mean, like it's just it, it just doesn't make any sense. So I I mean that's really all I have to say. It, Are you all pretty good? Sure. <laughs> okay. Next question. Does anybody feel like winning this question? <laughs> Hang on, hang on. I have not finished. Okay. My, my, I'll, I'll give you 30 thought, more seconds. I thought we were doing a final quest or a final emphasis. You, you, you can do it now. I just want to say, that Darth Maul fight is awesome. That has way more action and extreme intensity than any of your two movies combined. Uh, I got Leia, too. I just want those. I got Yoda, there. and Yoda didn't get cut in half. And stop. All right. <laughs> I'm sure you guys enjoyed that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Kevin, you seem to lean heavily on the Darth Maul part. <laughs> did you not forget about Jar Jar Binks? Yeah, you you did mention Jar Jar, uh, and you had a lot of them, uh, but that was kind of it. <laughs> The aliens, the, 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 the aliens with the sweet ass Asian accents. Did you forget that part too? No, I did not. <laughs> but however, and you and you nicked a good things on Tag of Clones, but Tag of Clones, you did do a nice job at trying to stick up for that. <laughs> I and, even had points too. I was yeah. like, yeah. Uh, surprisingly, out of all of these, that if because there was a lot of talks about you could have cut stuff out. Surprisingly, nobody mentioned that you could have cut out 30 minutes of The Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, but you could have cut out the entire story of Attack of the Clones. Well, but here's the thing, though. Attack of the Clones, even though, again, nobody brought this up, it does actually add to the story. Without it, Obi-Wan yeah. doesn't, doesn't know about the, you know, Senator Palpatine is actually in charge. That's what... Uh, Windu tells Mace, him, Windu. Mace Windu tells him about. Uh, again, though, if I'm going off of stuff that I did not hear Nick's on, I didn't hear a lot of Nick's on Last Jedi. And you did for me. To, to, yeah, <laughs> I but uh, I totally nicked on it. I thought that they did terrible with the uh, Kylo Ren character. That could have been far deeper yeah. and better. And 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 the, the lack of uh, explanation as to how. Uh, Ray got her powers and honed them so quickly mm -hmm. uh, that was a you know preposterous. Yeah. Uh, geez. <laughs> uh, I think the only thing good about the Last Jedi <laughs> was BB-8. I well, but here's the th I I I'm still a sex robot. I I still like this is not brought up. Uh, again. If I'm tallying in my head of how many times people nicked on the other one, I think Last Jedi got a little bit less. 
and Damon did get, do a good job at articulating why it's good. Because it was a good movie! Oh, there you I go. I was going to say, <laughs> which of the three is the worst movie? I was about to say, Come Damon, on, has, Damon had the easiest And who one. has the hardest time of having to actually having to defend this? Honestly, I would have rather defended either one of those than I would have <laughs> freaking most Jedi. There you go. Uh, well, Nick, you did a really good job, but you have two points. Uh, you're you're going to feel fine, yep. so I'm going to give this one to Damon. Yeah! I won something for once in my life. You got a, you had the easiest job in that one, sir. Yeah, that was a bunch of BS. <laughs> I, I, I had to defend episode two. <laughs> you had episode one. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I feel like episode one's harder to... Because there's a lot of really cool stuff within episode two that I could and, have argued And also, about. Kevin, a little bit thing you could have had, but you maybe didn't remember this. Episode one actually got a lot of praise when it came out. Not to mention, had freaking yeah, Qui-Gon Because Jinn. people hadn't seen a fucking Star Wars movie in 16 years, <laughs> and they wanted to say it was good. Yeah. Really, really bad. And then they realized how wrong they were. Surprisingly, nobody went with actually what would have been my pick, which would have been Solo. That was... Because even if... Look, read that at the end. Then. Yeah. Close, close second, second was Solo, which would have been my choice if one of you guys would have As much as I say I don't like Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, it adds to the story. Solo added nothing. It was just basically, here's Han Solo, here's how he did this. I'm like, we heard about this, and why wasn't this a Lando movie instead? Uh, so... The, I could have argued more for... <laughs> No. Yeah. So, after three, we have Nick with two, Damon one, Kevin still trying to get on the board. I think he might win on at least the next two. Well, we'll find out. <clears throat> and now, on to question four. And that is, what animated Disney film makes the best horror film? And, Nick, you get to pick first. Alright, well... I'm going with one that wasn't, you know, considered one of Disney's better animated films, and that's The Black Cauldron. Mm-hmm. Any elaborate reason why now? Um, this isn't a trick. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, wait a minute, wait for it. Uh, it was the first Disney feature to earn a PG rating, thanks to its dark tone and occult themes, and it was almost PG-13, pushing an R rating, until it was re-edited to remove some particularly disturbing scenes, especially for kids. Involving throat cutting, flesh melting, and partial nudity. Huh. Okay. Kevin, you're second on this one. Oh, okay. Well, mine is probably a little less known. Um, I actually was thinking about trying to uh, argue for Fantasia because it is quite dark. And well, that, that, that last part with the devil, yeah. <laughs> But actually, mine is Something Wicked This Way Comes, based on the Ray Bradbury book. And, uh, yeah, it's just evil, twisted, dark, and awesome. Well, you want to know what your little advantage that you're going to have to work on? I've never seen this. (laughs) So I'm going to like some details on what this... Okay, Damon, you're third on this. This one's probably going to come in a surprise, because... It's a thing, but I generally find it a film that's actually kind of disturbing to me, and that's Wally. 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 <laughs> Wally. It's a great movie. 
Well, he... Sheesh, that is not a... Okay, well... I honestly thought you were going to say, oh. <laughs> that no one is... knew. No one knew, motherfucker. <laughs> okay, so... Nick with Black Cauldron. Kevin with Something Wicked. This Way Comes. This Way Comes. And Damon with Wally. I can't wait to hear why. Uh, I think I have a right to Okay, uh, Nick did a pretty good... Start I for his. Say, yeah, yeah, more. Uh, Kevin, since you have a little bit like I've not seen this, neither has Damon apparently. So Maybe I would love. I, I, I would love to hear details on why this is. So, if you guys don't know, Ray Bradbury is definitely an American icon. He is a author among authors, and he came up with this story. Oh, I think it was in the '60s. But Disney didn't produce the film until 1983. It's about a villainous carnival owner, Mr. Dark, who preys upon unsuspecting Midwestern town folks. He grants wishes, but with evil catches. Hmm. Any? Okay. Uh, okay, Damon. <clears throat> the reason please, why... please tell me why Wally works as the best horror film. Because as a as a if you look at it just. Through a lens, you know, not even through a lens, you're just kind of like, ah, oh, this seems like a little kid's movie, you know, kind of cute and adorable, but look at the aspects within it. He's the last robot left on Earth because the humans left because it was full of garbage, and all the humans are extremely obese, and they, they just basically are trash. Mm-hmm. They are, they completely have given up on life. They are, like, it's looking at humanity at probably its worst time period ever. And that's why I find it quite disturbing because people look at it and they say it's kind of a cute film, cute love story. But if you look at it all around, it's kind of creepy if you think about it. Okay. Uh, Nick, please please now elaborate on why these other ones don't go as much as Black Cauldron. Well, it's got, it doesn't have any usual fantasy fare and it's got a villainous horn king. And no typical, you know, charming princesses, fairy godparents, Disney lore, robots, all that kind of stuff. But, like I said, it's not one of the better known films, but I think of what it's got on these two films is the last time the studio attempted to release a mature feature under its standard brand. So, again, I said the disturbing scenes, the throat cutting, flesh melting, and partial nudity. I mean, I don't see the other two films even trying that. Anybody? You know, Something Wicked This Way Comes is said to have been one of the darkest of Disney's creations. Um, Going through, you know, such things as vanity, lust, and uh, basically other, the darkest of darkest of human emotion, uh, it definitely has uh, a more horrific and dark sensibilities. Wally is a wonderful kids movie that is funny and you feel great about the characters because they actually win in the end. Like, there was a good ending to that movie and they actually come through. Like, in this movie, they, they simply, the dude is sinister. The acting is excellent. Jonathan Price, <coughs> unappreciated actor has a wonderful performance in this film as a completely dark and twisted carnival owner and absolutely fulfills any kind of horror genre as far as Disney is uh, regarded. Anything against Black Cauldron? 
I've never seen that movie. <laughs> so well. that, that says a lot for it because I was a kid during the time period when that came out and I have not even seen it. Well, if you get Disney Plus, you can. <laughs> I got Disney Plus. <laughs> First day. Uh, Damon? Yeah, see, the thing is, I'm a big fan of more traditional horror films. Like, you know, I, I would stuff that isn't necessarily, like, more of a darker look, like The Babadook, for example. Mm-hmm. I've, I've discussed a few, and that's one of my favorites. These two were presented as dark films, anyways. Like, these are clearly, like he said, you know, Black Cauldron, some of the occult themes and stuff. This is more about, like, you know, it is very dark in general. Mm-hmm. Whereas Wally, it is presented, like he said, it's a, it's a funny kids movie. But, again, if you look at it in the lens, there's overarching, it's really kind of dark when you think about it. The fact that, like, human has humanity has gone to like the darkest point in its life like it's it's a really dark look into possibly our future and there there's reasons why it's dark like the idea of surrounding it is what's the dark part about it not necessarily what happens within the film what happens surrounding the film whereas again black cauldron is it is a dark film but it's supposed to be a darker film that film, again, supposed to be kind of a darker film. Nick? Well, Disney basically came out and said that uh, Black Cauldron was demoralizing and it basically haunted people's dreams that watched it. So, And if they would have added the R rating to that, I mean, these two films, there's no way they could compete with it. And even with the, just the you know rating it has, I still don't think they could compete with it. The Black Cauldron was also considered to be Disney's second all-time greatest flop. Well, but that, that's money, so <laughs> yeah, they money. Uh, I I I just want to hear now a little bit more about something wicked, because again, just because I still have not seen it, is there any like certain kind of imagery that you want to try to give me about why it's really horrorish and haunting um well it's i don't even care if you spoil it (laughs) the the story is based around a couple of uh you know midwestern country bumpkin kids because we know nothing about that (laughs) whose whose life basically changes once the carnival comes to town as well as most of the townsfolks because they all get intertwined into this man's uh deviousness and uh, they believe that they have something that they wish for, but as is always said, you have to be careful with what you wish for because there's always a hindsight to everything. And Mr. Dark's uh, carnival is definitely uh, something that you want to avoid at all costs because his depravity is has no other bounds. Uh, I don't know about the dark cauldron or black cauldron, whatever you want to call it. Black cauldron. Um, <laughs> but this movie in particular is absolutely horrific. What year did that film come out by any chance? 83, I said. 83? Same year as Last Jedi. Because it, it sounds <laughs> almost like an animated version of the Wishmaster series. Because Wishmaster is the same kind of sense. It's about a gin. It's not an animated movie. 
It's not animated. No, okay. It's live action. So even then, like it's you know, it, it almost sounds just about the same. Like the idea of like and, and like the tone is just like okay, be careful what you wish for. Like I feel like we've seen that before. Well, but again, we're going back to '83 and. We're gonna talk about ideas. We're, we're, talk, we're talking about ideas that are used over and over again. Uh, we'll be here a while. <laughs> One last thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, I believe that Black Cauldron led the way for like the post Walt Disney Dark Days, and actually led the way for darker ideas for the future films. So I think it's definitely revolutionary in that sense. The one one last point I would probably argue is the fact again that these are both very, you know, darker films, but you know, they started getting better and like they were more happier films and they threw out Wally like that again though. Looking at it, it's really messed up. <laughs> like if you compare it to either one of those that are technically supposed to be darker, this one is just here kids, watch this happy film. And they get that, and they don't even think about it. But if you really look into it, you're like, oh, man, we actually messed up as human beings. Something okay. Wicked uh, definitely has twists and turns, obviously. Uh, you jump into a scenario where you think you're going to have fun <laughs> and enjoy yourself. But then you can get on a carousel, which, depending on the way you ride it, you age differently. You can either get younger or older. And they also have the freaks and oddities, such as the Fat Man, Mr. Electro, and the Blind Dust Witch. Um, the characters and the acting in this film are above any of your two animated films. And uh, Mr. Dark takes control of an entire town and seizes innocent souls to damnation. Eternal damnation. And stop. Uh, one quick question that I was going to have to Nick, and it won't affect in any way other than my outcome of another reason. When you were talking about Black Cauldron having stuff in it, like the throat slashing and partial... That was stuff you were saying got cut out, right? Mm hmm Okay, well, there's something that could have been used for both of you to say, but it's not in the film. I've never seen it. But he it was something he said. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. Uh, <laughs> Damon, you have made me think of Wally in a completely different way now. However, it's still a fun kids movie. Because you're talking about it like you can look at it from this perspective, and that's something that a lot of films have. Yeah. And that's like what a lot of Disney films have. Still, as a horror film compared to the other two, it falls short. Because uh, you're talking more about the humanity being da damnation, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, the thing is, that's our real horror. <laughs> that's, and that's what, what, that's what we're really going through. And that's and what makes it scary. It's the fact that like this could be just this could be a simply but, a biography. But, it, but it still came across from the other two saying that it's still a bright, colorful movie for kids and families. So I I do applaud you because I never thought of Wally like that as much. But you're not getting the point. <laughs> uh. Nick and you and Kevin, you made great arguments for these things. And if we're judging on the movie that was actually made, <laughs> um, 
Black Cauldron definitely has a strong cult following. In fact, it's been one that I've been pulling for to get a live-action remake, because it makes the most sense. And it didn't make a lot of money, which was a good thing you brought up, that it was a flop. Um, and, and the thing is, the way that you describe something wicked makes me want to watch that now. And I've seen Black Cauldron before, and like I mentioned in our Disney special... You know what the bigger scripts I have? The main character is annoying. <laughs> you notice why I talk about the villain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, for the imagery that has been given to me and what I felt like he did a very good job at going an uphill at describing something that I've not seen, I'm going to give this point to Kevin. On the board. I also have not seen this movie. <laughs> you, wow. <laughs> Whew. That is on a other level. Are you going for a movie you've never seen? And thank you for not acknowledging that at all. <laughs> I think that makes a better argument. Yeah. You go in knowing, thinking, you tell somebody beforehand, I don't know what I'm doing. Chances are you're going to be like, oh, they don't even know about the movie, so. Well... Now after question four, we got Nick with two, Damon one, and Nick and Kevin one. Moving on. It's coming back. Okay. And now on to question five, and this is best sports movie. And Kevin, you get to start. Oh, man. This is really tough. Um, I'm very sports-minded. I've grown up playing sports since I was probably six years old. Mm -hmm. um, there were a lot of great movies that I could argue for. Um, a lot of classic movies that I'm not sure that these youngsters over here probably have too much appreciation for, like Raging Bull. That was another one I had mentioned earlier in my 1980, the year of 80. <coughs> Fabulous film. Can't Fabulous boxing film. Um, another one was uh, A League of Their Own. Mm -hmm. a, a fabulous, fabulous movie with great acting. Um, made made lots of uh, definite uh, waves when that movie came through. Um, but you're going with? I think I'm going to have to go with Waterboy. Waterboy? Yes. Interesting. Okay. Waterboy. <laughs> that movie has so many cultural references. So much... Absolute slapstick comedy that drives you to tears. And it really pulls together Adam Sandler's crew, because he always uses the same crew, uh, in such a way that everybody, including the lowliest of lowly, has wonderful moments in that film. And Damon, you're second. Okay, um, this one might come as a surprise, but one of my favorite things as a child was WWE and I, I see a lot of wrestlers now that have went through so much that are kiss. really bad that are, <laughs> yeah they, they it's it's hurts to see some of them now of what okay. they've become so I chose the wrestler uh, ooh. is that what it's about it's about <laughs> <laughs> Did I miss something? <laughs> just, just do a little explanation about why you're picking it. Why I'm picking it is uh. 
because I had previously mentioned, you know, it's the story of, you know, basically it's almost like the story of Jake the Snake in a sense. Like, you know, it's a wrestler's fall from grace and like him after he's done his time and now he's like, you know, living life as like an, a retired wrestler and it's, it's a really sad story. And Mr. Nick, you got final pick on this. Uh, being the Indianian that I am. Oh, um, snap. It came down to two for me. One being Hoosiers, which is fantastic. But I decided to go with the movie that had the most impact on me as a child. And that's good guess. Rudy. Yep. Oh, I thought uh, the story was going to be breaking away. That's a good one, too. Um, I just remember... My favorite movies as a kid were like the underdog stories, and I think Rudy Rudiger mm-hmm. is the epitome of that because he didn't even want to necessarily like really play for it. He just wanted to like walk on and step on the field one time, just one time. That was it. And this movie is awesome. And actually, and pretty much didn't really introduce them, but had a young Sean Astin, John Favreau, and uh, Vince Vaughn. Okay, well, not surprising. There are two football movies on here. And a wrestling, so my two favorites. Uh, okay, guys, why is Waterboy better than the other two, and why are they not as good? <laughs> well, Waterboy is laugh-out-loud funny from start to finish. Uh, every single one of the characters is well-developed. They have their own lanes, and they fill them perfectly. The laughter and the jokes are deep, and some are just playing slapstick but whatever you say there are so many quotable events in that movie it's not even funny but it is as far as Rudy okay movie you know it's decent too bad the ending is false because the kid didn't actually get to get on and make a friggin sack or tackle like that never actually happened it was fake and as far as the wrestler goes um, Mickey Rourke is de- was definitely working on coming back from a uh, let's say a fall from grace and he tried really hard in that movie to uh, portray himself as a believable character uh, but his past is definitely different than the wrestling past and I believe that uh, he just he fell a little bit flat to me. I don't believe that that movie came across as uh, believable as much. And uh, like I say, Waterboy is an iconic film. People who watch that movie cannot say it's not funny because it's hilarious. And after watching it only one time, you absolutely walk away with catchphrases and funny lines that you will remember for the rest of time. Okay, guys. Okay. Uh, Damon? Uh, well, one thing that I would point out, especially like with Rudy, for example, the issues I find within Rudy is it's kind of a slow film to me. Like, the, you know, it's you have to love the film. It, there's not much rewatchability to me. I, I, you know, I've seen the film a couple times, but it's not something I could sit and watch over and over again and be like, well, okay, like, you know, I'm going to get bored eventually. And Waterboy, Kevin's right. Funny. It's hilarious. But I feel like it's a comedy film, not necessarily more of a sports film. Like, just like Happy Gilmore is 
a comedy film and golf is just a piece within it. I feel like, and that's that's why I feel like the wrestler brings it in because wrestler wrestling is it it has touched a lot of people's lives, and it's very meaningful within it. If you watch um, watch some of the people's lives that were wrestlers from back in the day, a lot of fall from grace, a lot of drug addiction, and it's kind of a sad. You know, it may not be completely accurate, but it's a look into what some of these people deal with and how they struggle to become, you know, to live past the greatness they once lived. I brought an example with Jake the Snake. He was a drug addict because it, just the life of horribleness and the pain that he went through, he was not in good shape until he got basically saved by DDP. So that's why I feel like watching a movie about that is something that is actually, Sorry. it's an interesting look into the life of something that touched a lot of people. Nick? Well, first of all, the Rudy play was real. It's right here. So that's false. Nice try. And, uh, yeah. Nice jab. Didn't work. But, so, like I said earlier, uh, it's a story about him becoming a champion. And uh, after his whole life achievement, basically, was getting on the field at the illustrious Notre Dame Stadium. But it's about the power of setting one's mind to something and realizing their dreams. And, like I said, it's USA Today ranked Rudy as the number one football movie of all time. Has one of the best scores by Jerry Goldsmith. Um, this movie hits real deep as it touches on the childhood dreams of a lot of kids who dream of being a hero on the football field. So, I did, And also, it led to me being a lover of Notre Dame football. So, I think it's gotten much more of an impact than the other two films. Whereas, you know, Waterboy, it's not even the peak of Adam Sandler. I don't even think it's in his top five films. It might be a comedy. It was funny, but I don't think it's really the peak of Adam Sandler. And I don't even think it was really necessarily more of a football movie. Whereas Damon's, The Wrestler, I don't really recollect a lot of it because, you know, Mickey Rourke had just come back from his drug issues. Sure, he was good in it, but... I don't think it was accurate as far as a story about a wrestler, in my opinion, goes. Uh, so I think Rudy was pretty accurate, literally, from beginning to end. And he did record a sack in his last play this senior season against Georgia Tech. I absolutely disagree with the fact that you guys say that Waterboy is not a football movie. One of the main aspects of that movie is the coach and him losing his pack of plays and being so distraught over not having the plays that he drew up that he ended up transforming as a mental human being and then was able to come back with the the grace of said water boy uh inspiring him to be a better football coach and creating new plays advanced plays that ended up winning the season Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. Let's just let's say that, that that is the case, that it is a football movie. Because I, I can see where you're coming from from that. But a, a lot, okay, let's, let's take that point. A lot of the stuff around it, too, is kind of like it, like the fact, you know, of like his living, one, his living situation is very odd. But the. Come on. I, I know, I'm trying to make a good point within this. So, but, like, the film, yes, it is technically, again, about football, but I would still maybe argue the fact that 
it's more of like a growing film, whereas football is still a part in it, like I said, with Happy Gilmore. It's kind of the same thing. Like, the story there is him trying to get his grandmother's house back, whereas he wants to be, you know, a hockey player and stuff. But, like, that's just side points, I feel like. Your dig about this not being Adam Sandler's best movie has nothing to do with the fact that it's a sports movie and that it's great. Um, your movie, as epitomizes he said over football. here, is epitomizes football. slow, and it's true, and a snail's pace. And Number one football matter. movie of all time. Uh, football, not comedy. That's subjective. Football, not comedy. Uh, okay, okay. That's subjective. Okay. Um, uh, it, it has a snail's pace. Okay, no this more. This is about no sports, more. not no comedy. No, sports. No, nothing more. Um... I feel like that they're definitely hitting Waterboy more for why it's not more of a sports movie. And Damon, I think you also could have made the comment on the fact that, yeah, it it's questionable about like how accurate it is, but Rorick was also up for an Oscar for it. He, but he didn't mention that. <laughs> uh, I kind of gathered more that it was a, you know, pace issue for Rudy. Yeah. But that's all I'm really getting. Uh, yeah, I... And again, the fact of him not on the field got disproven. I was going to say the opposite. It's literally right here. I, I, I didn't say... Okay, never mind. I feel like uh, some of the acting is a little dry, too, within it. Well, no, we're not. Uh, and based on just... The fact of what I did not hear about for Rudy makes me lean towards Rudy. It, like he was saying, like people look at it as an underdog story. It's revered for being a sports movie. Has great cameos from people that became big. These are all things that you did not dig on him for. You just said slow pace. Kind of dull sometimes. It's subjective, yes. All of this is subjective. And there, there just was not enough to dig on why it was not the best sports movie, in my opinion, from what I was hearing. So I'm going to be giving the point to Nick. So I was wrong about the inaccuracy on Rudy. There were several other inaccuracies, but the playmaking wasn't one of them. <laughs> the chanting of well, Rudy was definitely... Well, yeah, but that's... Well, yeah, I didn't that's, say that, that's, 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 that's the film... It's so always gonna, it's always going to have some lies. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> it, it, it's never, ever 100% it's like They made Rudy for that play. <laughs> let it, let it, let and, it. And now to question six. Boy, if we're going to move on quick, you guys got to get this point. Uh, and that is, what MCU film is underrated because we just finished the Infinity Saga and we're getting the Disney Plus shows but what film is not getting the recognition that it really should be and Kevin you're up first well I have two films in mind uh, just in case well you but probably should mention one if the my, other one's mentioned my uh my film that I have decided to choose is Doctor Strange ooh Doctor Strange um I, I have to admit that uh, the first time I watched this movie, 
I also didn't necessarily uh, feel it was all that great, but upon rewatching uh, a second, third, fourth, fifth time, uh, I have realized how wrong I was because there is a lot of depth to that character. There is a lot of action in that movie. There's a lot of uh, MCU universe building uh, that I absolutely love and adore. Okay, and Mr. Nick, you got the next pick. I do. <laughs> well, based on what unfortunately, I'm probably going to have to take an L on this one, but uh, I don't really have a backup because I didn't <laughs> think anybody was going to choose it. But my answer is also Doctor Strange. Um, you're, you're not going to go with another one. I Winter Soldier. If you feel it's underrated. Winter Soldier is underrated, um, but I totally had a spiel for Doctor Strange. Again, I'm, I don't know. You are at a comfortable advantage. Exactly, so I'm just going to take the L. He's going to take the L. He's not even... Doctor Strange. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, well. Hey, I got three. I'm good. Yeah. Um, Doctor Strange introduced so much to the MCU. It had the time alteration, manipulation, different concepts of reality, and dimensional travel connected to the universe of the quantum realm. But, considering all that... The fact that without Doctor Strange in the movie itself, Infinity War and Endgame would have never been possible. Thank you. My thoughts exactly. Yep. There well, <laughs> mic drop. Da- Damon, <laughs> what is your pick? Nick, uh, Nick has removed himself from this. Funny enough, my backup was Doctor Strange as well. <laughs> because I was in the same boat as Kevin. I, I watched it the first time and I was like, I didn't like it. I hated it. I was like, this is stupid. And then as rewatching it, the more I start to really look, I'm like, oh, I actually kind of enjoy this. But I'm going to go with The Incredible Hulk. Okay. That's because that's what Google told you. Edward Norton. Edward Norton alert. So, okay. Why are these films, are these films better than the other? <laughs> and because, because Kevin just got a lot of help, Damon, go first. <laughs> So, I, I I agree with, you know, there, there's a lot within it, but the thing with The Incredible Hulk is, the MCU, I feel like, wasn't even a, an, it was a small idea, and I feel like it got started with The Incredible Hulk. Not to mention, Edward Norton, I feel like, was a great Hulk. He just, there was a lot of things, you know, that there was discrepancies, and so he didn't get to come back, and that's very unfortunate, because... He did really good. I thought the movie was very well acted. The villain was actually awesome. Abomination is his probably most well-known villain. And there's a lot of action, a lot of fighting, a lot of good story building, and a good starting point to the MCU. And it is the official start in the MCU. Kevin? I was going to say, seeing as I'm going to throw in one thing. Okay. not to mention, like, the amazing special effects, the funny humor, the blending of superheroes and the supernatural, and the sheer brilliance of Benedict Cumberbatch, I thought, made this movie amazing. Thank you, Dick. You're welcome. Point exactly. As far as Edward Norton as the Incredible Hulk, I absolutely believe Mark Ruffalo has him beat. Uh, did he do an okay job? Sure. Was that movie an abomination? Absolutely. <laughs> Doctor Strange is a fantastic piece of the Mar- 
respectable universe that is worth rewatching over and over. I could not force myself to rewatch The Incredible Hulk. And see, well, that's the thing with that is, you, yeah, Doctor Strange is a very rewatchable movie, but as far as world building goes, it's on the same pace to me as the other films. Each film brings each film basically after probably Captain America has brought something into the universe, like Guardians brought in one of the stones. Same thing with Doctor Strange brought in one of the stones. I feel like it, it doesn't necessarily do anything aside from the same pace as what the other films do. They bring in all of the films bring into something, but it can't say that it is a starting point. He is just in there to bring in the other. Like basically, his was a build up to do what he did in Endgame, and that's I feel like that's that's pretty much it. It sounded like your defense of your movie was basically an offense for my movie because, as you said. My movie brought in a stone. Your movie did not. My movie adds to the universe and its creation and the formation of potential new movies, whereas your movie did not. Uh, I believe that the, the acting was far superior in Doctor Strange than it was in The Incredible Hulk. And not to mention direction and production value. Uh, like you say, and you've already admitted to rewatching my movie, uh, whereas your movie is hard to struggle through. Uh, just because it's the beginning doesn't mean that they don't want to run very fast and far away from it. I would argue against that. Again, it was a starting point. They looked at this... And they started with their idea. Whereas, again, Doctor Strange, I feel like they needed to bring him in. Like, it wasn't necessarily like, bang, like they, it wasn't necessarily like, oh well, this is just going to be another character. Like they were, they had to bring him in to continue what with what they were doing. So there was, there's no opposition to that. Like they, they had to bring him in. But as far as the film goes, yes, overall it's a pretty decent film. And there's a lot of action, but. Again, there's a lot of slow build-up getting to where he starts to, you know, like the whole surge and stuff like that. That's the part that still gets me and it's hard for me to watch is the beginning pacing. And it's like, ah, well, this is kind of boring. And then when you start getting into his stuff, yes, that's when it gets entertaining. Whereas I'm more interested in The Incredible Hulk. I can sit there and I'm, I'm interested throughout the story. Like, it's an interesting dynamic, the way they build it up where he's on, you know, he's on the run. They're trying to stop him. And then they have... The intertwined, like, whole love story within it, like, that's kind of actually very interesting <coughs> that they bring that in there. And that's, I think, and not to mention, I feel like the fight scenes are better. Whereas the ending, you know how he beats the final boss in Doctor Strange? He just puts him in a loop. That's, that's very anticlimactic. It was me. ingenious. It was an ingenious thing to do. Your story is dull. The actors were collecting paychecks and not putting forth their best performances. <coughs> Like, it was hard to watch. Like, it's there's a reason why the uh, Doctor Strange character has so much more in, involved in the new movies than the Hulk does. Other, than, I mean, he's just a big lumbering bash master, whereas Doctor Strange has ingenuity, talents, and smarts to back up his 
fighting style. Um, and like I said, just the, the quality of the acting, like he said, Benedict Cumberbatch is an amazing actor, and we're pleased to have him in the MCU. Whereas your movie, I mean, Ed Norton is an okay actor. He's decent. But that, by far, was not even near the best that he could do. He was just there for a paycheck. See, they had to... see. The thing with Benedict, though, they had they were waiting on him. They they had to wait for him before they could even introduce him. And I don't think it's Norton's fault that he didn't get brought back. They you know they chose to go with Mark and replace him. And you you know you bring up the fact that he's just some big lumbering thing. That's a more of a directorial choice. They wanted to make him too, but whereas he you know in the Incredible Hulk they were trying to do more with it, but then they were like. Then they just switched it up, and that's not necessarily the Incredible Hulk's fault. Like it's not necessarily that movie's fault. They changed it. So, and and as far as Doctor Strange goes, again, like they had, they he had to have been brought up for them to continue. Like they have to because they're now they're going to start introducing multiverse stuff. He had to have been brought in at some point. Whereas, I mean, honestly, you, I mean, it's hard. The point with that is. His character, like, you can bring up Benedict Cumberbatch, but that has that's a non-point. They could have brought in just about anybody, I feel like, and could have made the same character. And time. Disagree. <laughs> um, okay, so... Gonna put this out there already. Damon, I want to give you a great fight back because you were just now kind of double-teamed a little bit there at the beginning, so I give you yeah. credit... You put up a fight. I'm sorry about that. I didn't expect uh, to pick that. So I should have a backup. That didn't stop you from helping Kevin. Okay. Uh, but here's the thing. Y- you were mentioning yourself. You have watched that movie several times. A couple. I didn't say and, several. I said a couple times. And that it can be more rewatchable. To some extent. Even though you prefer Incredible Hulk a little bit more. And like they, they were dinging on... Edward's not back. Whether it's his, the studio's fault, he did not return. And to a lot of people, and I'm going to just assume you disagree, Mark Ruffle has been a better Hulk. Yeah. So there's that kind of point that was put out there that's against it. Uh, one thing that I felt like nobody mentioned that could have been a good ding on yours is... Yeah, they were doing world building, but none of your stuff that stayed there actually has stayed. Because they set up a villain later on that has had no fruition, other than if it's on a Disney show, we don't know. Uh, The only actor that came back was the general. He was back for Civil War. but And yeah, you can say that Hulk starts... But Iron Man technically started it. This is the first one, but that's the first where it's mentioned. Yeah, but at the end credit sequence, they say we're putting a team together. Hulk was the definitive, we are starting this now, but Iron Man was the first nail that started it. So I'm going to again give you credit that you put up a good fight, but I'm going to have to go with Dr. Strange. Love that movie. I want to bring up another point, too. Real quick. He's he, not he going against it. Win. No, he, he can still win. But Doctor Strange has had more time to build. 
Whereas the Incredible Hulk got, you know, they just kind of threw him in there. To be fair, <coughs> I think they don't know what to do with Hulk. Yeah, I, I feel like that. And, it, like and, it, and it's the easy, and it's the easiest one to do something. <laughs> just for the record, my my secondary movie was Thor. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind that one. And that mine was nothing. I should have had something. <laughs> I had so much. I did. Yeah. You know, my my first viewing, I didn't get it. I loved it. Uh, and after that, it just grew and oh, grew and yeah. grew. And and one thing that you could have used, his his start his story start is a lot like Tony, so it could have been they just recycled it again. Yeah. It was just then when they go into the magical yeah. aspect that it's not, which again I agree when it actually starts the magic stuff, that's when it gets awesome. <laughs> That's why I said at the beginning, I, that's the worst part for me. Just <coughs> watching the whole Doctor stuff, and I was just like, uh, like I, I kind of bored by that still. But he literally I, led to the you know, most probable movie of all time. So. Well, that's why I said. Like, they, to... Had to, they had to bring him in there. Like, I mean, he was needed. At some, at some point, they were going to have to bring in Doctor Strange. Whereas Hulk, you could kick out Hulk, and honestly... I mean, they they wouldn't they haven't done much with him, except he's been here and there. Like I don't think he'll ever have well, his own movie. Well, I think it's a rights thing. Moving on to the final question, we'll be ha- we're having Nick with three, Kevin two, and Damon one. Yeah, Woo! I'm basically done, this so. could end really weird. And we are back with the final question, and it's what I like to entitle "Head Cut Off Question" because you don't know what it is or what your answer will be. Basically, they got to pick in the order. Kevin won this role first. Then Damon got to pick one, and Nick was kind of left with the answer that he's given. The scraps. And just to start off, I just want you to look at your type name and tell me what it is. No, no, Damon. Okay. okay, Kevin, read who you got. I'm first. (laughs) I live in a van. Down by the road. Oh! Chris Farley. What the? Da- Damon? Oh, boys. Robin Williams. Oh, my God! <laughs> Nick? Tim Curry. <laughs> what? Why? Why is your actor better than the others? <laughs> and go, Kev. <laughs> Chris Farley is an American icon. Saturday Night Live genius and movie extraordinaire. Unfortunately, we lost him early, and uh, we weren't able to see the many extents to which he could have gone to. But while he was around, he produced some of the funniest, fabulous times on SNL and in movie history. Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, fabulous, hilarious movies. His time on Saturday Night Live is some of the best years they've ever had, uh, despite possibly the Jim Belushi era back in the day. Um, Chris Farley is a comedic genius. Damon, why is Robin Williams better than Chris Farley and Tim Curry? So Robin Williams is probably one of the most beloved actors of all time. If not the most beloved actor of all time. He is... 
brought you know joy to so many people's lives and made so many people laugh and cry and they and like you know again with someone we lost i feel like a little earlier than their time they needed to be he was you know it was a very sad loss but just the impact that he did in his you know years has created i mean he's a cultural icon like he's been you know he was aladdin you know he was he was freaking genie like he's most like all these roles are so iconic Whereas, you know, there's a couple with Chris Farley, like, there's, you know, there's some roles that are really big, like Tawny Boy and Black Sheep, but, you know, you see Chris Farley. You don't see, it's Tim Curry, same thing, like, he was all these roles, and some of the roles, yeah, you see him in, but some of them, you don't, but, whereas Robin Williams, you see Peter Pan, he's Genie, you know, he is himself, like, he, like, they know and they can feel like his pre like he brings a presence to the movie that is just un unrecognized like it, you know it's him and you can feel the joy that he brings to whatever movie he does well unlike those two one-dimensional actors i feel like <laughs> tim curry is the most multi-dimensional actor <laughs> you have he's a concierge in home alone 2 he plays in clue he plays pennywise the clown he plays in one of the greatest movies of all time, Rocky Horror Picture Show. I mean, if you really look at him, it might be all a little different. So, he's not so one-dimensional. And... back to Chris. <laughs> okay, so... Chris Farley died at the age of 33. Yep. His career was cut extremely short. Oh, yeah. If he had the career length as the 50-something uh, Robin Williams or the 60-something... Tim Curry. To be fair, my guy's in a wheelchair and his career was cut short, too. Um, when? Because he didn't Years die ago. at 33. Um, <coughs> Chris Farley is a fabulous actor. Yes, he was definitely a comedian. He was grown to be a comedian. He did not have the chops as a, a, you know, a dramatic actor. Um, but that's not what he was all about. Chris Farley grew up to be a comedian and a comedic actor, and that's what he did. From day one, he was super funny, and he's always drawn laughter and smiles to any performance that he's ever been in. Okay. The thing about Chris Farley is, he's, he, he, you know, he brings a lot of laughter. I will give you that. But I've never seen his roles that were like completely dead serious that were something that you can take away and you're like okay that's a complete change whereas robin williams i've seen that he's done goofy stuff like genie but he's also done goodwill hunting mrs doubtfire sure that was thing but you know good morning vietnam was another that was kind of like a, a good like he had brought something to the table that i feel like no one could bring he brought, again, himself. And Tim Curry, Tim Curry to me seems like, yeah, there was a couple parts where he was like the main guy, but he's a better side actor than the main actor. I feel like a lot of his parts are side parts. Well, like I said, you gotta look at him like, you know, he's kind of pleased everybody in, in the way you look at acting. I mean, he's played a doctor, He's played a pirate, he's played a musketeer, he's played a demon, and he played an Annie, for God's sakes. I mean, literally, he's been in every kind of movie you can think of. And 
as far as I'm concerned, he was fantastic in all those films. Whereas, you know, you look at some of the films that, you know, aren't as good that Robin Williams were in, and then Chris Farley was in, you know, subpar films as well. I think Tim Curry was in most of his movies were fantastic, so. As far any, as... Any, any specific films that you want to touch on? As far as recognizability. That are to poll people. If, if you have to, if you use one example of a film that it shows the best of your actor, pick that one right now. Rocky Horror. Tommy Boy. Okay, if I had to choose a film that, like, full link Jumanji. But like okay. I was trying to say, if you were to poll people as to the recognizability of a truly great actor, like Tim Robert, or I should say Tim Curry, he is a, gr- a good actor. But there are vast amounts of people who don't even know who that guy is. Robin Williams, also very good actor. But when you mention Chris Farley's name, he is known in all circles of life. I would argue the same thing for Robin Williams. Again, you know, you bring up recognizability. A lot of people know, you know, the thing with Tim Curry, like you brought up with Tim Curry, like a lot of, a lot of people know his name. Same thing with Chris Farley. A lot of people, you know, that like comedy movies, he's a classic. Like everybody grew up with him watching his movies. But Robin Williams is a household name. Like people knew when he died, people knew his name. Like he knew that like they knew this is Robin Williams was again a more cultural impact. And honestly, I would change my answer from Jumanji. I would probably do that's that's a hard one because there's just so many great movies that he's done. Like and that's the issue. And honestly, he can change it's just he can multi-purpose. You know, he's, he's a very serious actor in, like, Good Will Hunting or Dead Poets Society. That's actually probably what I would pick is Dead Poets Society because that is a fantastic film. Whereas Chris Farley, he was the funny guy. He was... But he, he did what he did best. But a multi-level, he was a good comedian. I didn't even mention the fact that he was... He's been the voice of a lot of great characters... He was uh, Nexus in Fern Gully. He was Nigel Thornberry in Wild Thornberries, and he was Palpatine in the Clone Wars. And Chris Farley doesn't have that stuff to his name. He died at 33. Well, but Chris that's a true given. And sure, Robin Williams was, you know, genie. But I feel like over time, the Tim Curry has had more of a prolonged effect as far as, you know, work goes and has had a much bigger impact on people because you know he's had such a prolonged career as far as voiceover go, voice work goes so if i had to choose voice work robin would definitely win just poor genie because everybody knows genie whereas like you mentioned like the clone wars star wars fans are going to watch clone wars most likely and again genie like i don't know a person that doesn't know who genie is like unless you watch the new specifically for <laughs> Aladdin, <laughs> specifically for Robin Williams' portrayal of him, like he's one of the best things, if not the best thing, in that movie. Okay, last roundabout. Why are the other two not as good? And I want you just to focus on why they are not as good. Tim Curry is not as funny. He's not as popular. He's 
may have had more attempts at being so, but he has been subpar. Robin Williams, he has tried many, many times to fit that level. Uh, but he, like you say, he has definitely gone to different, uh, different venues and sometimes fallen short. Like your Jumanji pick, definitely not one of his best films. That's why he definitely did not portray himself as any kind of a lead star in that movie. Whereas Chris Farley knew his lane, stuck to his lane, and totally dominated his lane. I would also argue the overall quality of films. I feel like Farley has, you know... A good handful of films that are really, really funny. Black Sheep, Tommy Boy, you know. Uh, but Williams has a ton of films that are beautiful. Not an and excuse now. <laughs> even then, like, if you just take at their point, their level, of the time that they filmed, like, if you would change the same amount of movies, he would still be overly matched because he is... Definitely a top-tier actor. Whereas Tim Curry, again, was negated to side roles, I feel like. Or voice work. Which, I'm not dogging, you know, dogging a voice work. But, as an actor, it's easier to be a voice actor than it is an actual actor. Like a live actor. Farley, again, stayed with comedy. Like, he knew, you're right, he knew his lane, which was comedy. But if we're over arguing for the best actor, the best overall actor... It has to be Williams, because Williams showed his acting chops. He showed that he can be a stand-up, or he can be a serious actor that knows his things. Okay, I'm going to preach consistency here. I believe Chris Farley, in half of his movies, he was a side character. And, you know, maybe kind of the brunt of the joke, and wasn't always, <laughs> you know, prominent in the film. And then Robin Williams, you know, for a time there... But there's a time gap to where he was pretty inconsistent in his films as well, which, you know, led to some unforgettable roles. See, I think Tim Curry's, most of them, if not all of them, are pretty memorable. So. Okay. All of Robin Williams' best movies came after the age of 33, same as Tim Curry. Well, time. What you're given is what you're given with your time. So I'm negating that. <laughs> well... Uh, preeminently, Kevin, you're kind of right. <laughs> they kind of nailed on Chris Farley a lot for the reasons why, yeah, he was a great comedian, but he maybe didn't have the best films sometimes, and he was very one-dimensional. Now, he was they mentioned he was great at that one dimension, but it was one dimension. And yes, I know he died at 33. You mentioned that several times. However, what you're given is what you're given. We can't control how long they're around. So it came down to Curry and Williams. So maybe your choice of characters should have been What <laughs> uh, Williams? You basically, you put me in a hole. You picked the name. <laughs> you put somebody in a hole. Maybe. Uh. Williams definitely you had a lot of good points about how he was very versatile how he has a lot of big credits to his name 
Tim Curry especially, has a lot of credits to his name. Um, I think one of the deciding factors for me was Tim Curry was brought up to be a lot about being a side character, but he still was good at that side character. Sometimes, yeah. Uh, and I think that, you know, there was also some nicks on Rob, some of the Robin Williams performances that they were kind of not great and unforgivable. I didn't Probably really... Tim Curry, though. I, I, the only thing I only ever heard about Tim Curry was that he was maybe a name that didn't get recognized a lot. And, and, yeah, you did mention that sometimes he could be subpar, but that's also your opinion. Well, like, I brought up the point with the voice acting. Like, yeah. you know, he got negated to a lot of voice acting roles, which isn't a bad thing, but if you're talking about acting chops... But you, but you also then detracted a little bit because you're like, but I don't want to knock on voice acting. Well, just in general, but I don't want to compare that to someone going out and actually acting because it is a lot yeah. harder to do what you're doing and be that person. Yeah. Uh, but I think that there was still not as much of a hindering on Curry, again, for his performances... It was just he. Nobody knows about him. You, you can make that argument, but clearly people know Tim Curry. <laughs> uh, it it just comes down to the slimmest of factors for me, and I'm gonna have. In my honest opinion, I would have given this one to Robin Williams. I actually might be having to give it to Robin Williams. <laughs> oh, I. But. Here's the thing. That makes Damon and Kevin tied at 2-2. Two, two. And who has three? Nick. Yeah. Are they going for second? In my or? honest opinion, The Shining was much better than Plants, Trains, and Automobiles. Are they going for second or third? No. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, guys. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> uh, Nick, as the first foul play winner... Would you like to give any announcements and plug anything of social media status? Facebook's Nick Wood. Uh, Instagram is Nickerish underscore chicken 87. Twitter is the same with Nick Wood, I think. I'm not on Snapchat, guys. Sorry. Uh, Damn, I can't say you dick Basically, just keep going to the movies. That's all I got. Kevin? I'm very sorry, and I hope this does not affect our friendship. <laughs> uh, but it was nice. I definitely think you got to pick three characters who are more closely advantaged. I, I was totally at a disadvantage on that last one. I feel, I feel like that's kind of a fair point. Yeah, but I feel like if Nick could have gotten Chris Farley, he would have put up a big fight, too. He's <laughs> my favorite actor. So. I, 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 Actually, I, to be honest... You guys got my two favorite actors of all time, so thanks. <laughs> so, but thank you for joining. Cheers. I, I hope you at least still had fun. And this, hopefully this won't be the last time that I'll get to have It's been show. real. It's been fun. It hasn't been real fun. I like it. Mr. Foghorn himself. <laughs> I, 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 I say. Damon. 
Any closing thoughts from Mr. Gobbler? Uh, I don't really have anything to plug. Because um, you never want to plug anything. I will oh. say, if you would, if you need to find me... <laughs> That's because he's never plugged anything. <laughs> if you need to find me, <laughs> you just look in your local trash bin because I am garbage. Thank you. And I'm, and I'm your host, Ian Gaioloco. You can follow me at Gaioloco on Twitter, Ian Novak on Facebook. And please c- continue to listen to Here on Crazy Poultry Inc., the podcast. And if you want to go to the YouTube channel, I might be posting some videos sometime, but I like doing this format better. <laughs> and if you want him to do some stuff on Fiverr, he goes by Cheeseburger Eddie. <laughs> On that note, thanks guys. Keep listening and go to the movies. Thank you again to my guests for joining and taking the time out of the day. Weekend. Cheers. I wish it was longer. I wish I was.